what does it mean to honor someone? The dictionary tells us that part of the act of honoring someone is to venerate them. Veneration is to regard with great respect. Honoring someone also includes, as part of its definition, a sense of revering someone. And this is to have a deep admiration for someone. And so I ask myself, when do I feel the most respected and the most admired? Personally, I feel honored when people focus more on the good things that I have done rather than my faults. I feel honored when people come to me directly with an issue rather than stir up dissension against me. I feel honored when I know that people are cheering for me to succeed and praying for me to do well. In our text here today that Larry just read, we find that Moses is not feeling particularly honored by the people back in chapter 11, and now his closest allies, his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam, turn their backs on him. And this morning in this message, I'm going to be looking briefly at the four dangers I see here of slandering God's anointed and then make some practical applications for our lives today. First, when we slander the Lord's anointed, we fall into the danger of speaking against perceived sins. It is fairly uncertain as to why Aaron here and Miriam are upset with Moses because of this marriage to the Cushite woman, this Ethiopian woman. She might have been one of the mixed multitude that came out with them from Egypt. But I want you to notice that it's not the fact that they had displeasure with Moses and his choice of a mate that is the issue. It is the fact that they began to speak against him because of that displeasure. Moses may very well have been in error in regard to this marriage here. We're not told whether it's right or wrong in this account. But in regards to his integrity, I want you to notice verse 7. The Lord said that Moses was faithful in all of God's house. This would indicate to me that he was considered righteous, similar to Job, a man of righteousness, a man of integrity. Aaron and Miriam go from having an opinion to slandering Moses' integrity. As I was considering how this passage applies to our lives today, I wanted more than anything to apply it to pastors. See what it says here? Don't talk bad about your pastor behind his back. But I was stuck in my sermon prep because things were just not coming together, and usually when that happens, that means that I'm off on something. And so I began to pray, Lord, what am I missing here? And then it dawned on me. This passage is not about honoring your pastors and your religious leaders. Moses' close rep, closest uh, representative in modern culture is not the pastor. That would be Aaron and also the, Levit the Levitical priesthood that was in charge of the sanctuary. Moses here represents the political office. Therefore, the warning we need to heed from this passage is that we need to be careful that we do not allow our opinions of political leaders to move us from disagreeing with them and an issue to slandering them as a person. When I listen to some of the talk shows and read some of the political blogs, even written by Christians, I must admit that much more of it is slandering the person rather than disagreeing with the issue. We as Americans are especially guilty of this. 
We feel that because we have freedom of speech and freedom of the press, that this gives us the right to say whatever we want to about those in authority over us. God's word tells us something different. Listen to the words of 1 Peter 2.17. It says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now remember that when these words were written, they were most likely between 60 and 65 AD, which was during the time when the emperor was Nero over Rome. He's the one that set Rome on fire and then blamed the Christians. Great persecutions began to break out against them after this. And so if anyone deserved to be slandered as a terrible leader, it was Nero. But you may say, well, what does it really mean to honor the emperor? The word that's used in this verse that is translated as honor into English is the very same word that Jesus used in John 8:49 regarding the way that he honored his father in heaven. It's also the word that's used in Luke 18:20 in connection uh, with honoring your parents. Now remember that the essence of the word is to revere or to venerate. In other words, to esteem highly and regard with great respect. And so Peter here is telling those he's writing to in the Roman world that they're to give respect and esteem to Nero, the man who's killing them because of their religious beliefs. Here in America, no one in the government is trying to kill you for your convictions yet, but Christians are being threatened. Their way of life is being threatened. And thankfully, we're not being ruled over an emperor that cannot be removed except by some revolution or coup. We live in a democracy, and we have the ability to change our leaders based on a popular vote. But many who desire to see that change come resort to slander of character rather than focusing on the issues. In fact, many people say that you cannot win an election unless you slander the opposing person's character. And that's why so often in political ads, we see slander against people's character. This is not honor. It is not honor to belittle someone's manner of speaking or their physical characteristics as done in political cartoons and late night uh, talk show monologues. And that brings us to our next danger that I see here in our text. When we slander the Lord's anointed, we fall into the danger of arrogance of comparison. Aaron and uh, Miriam here don't stop with verbally slandering Moses, as we can see in verse 2. They go on to complain that if they were given a chance to do the job, they'd be doing it better. Read that verse with me again here, please. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken to us also? And that's where rebellion begins. In the heart of a man or woman who begins to think that they can do a better job than the one who's been placed in a particular position. And many times the main problem is that truth, truthfully, they probably could do a better job. There are probably people out there that are more qualified and would do a better job as the president or the governor or a senator. However, I'd like you to consider the story of King David with me. Here's a young man who was visited by Saul, the prophet, 
and told that he was going to be the next king of Israel. Now this was not something that David was seeking. He was the youngest of an insignificant family. Also, if you'll notice, that when he's anointed as the king, there's already a king in place, and a king that remains in place for an additional 30 years after that. And so, David does not just run up to the palace and say, hey, I've been anointed, I'm here, move over, Bacon, now there's something meatier. He waits on the Lord, and in fact, he honors Saul in many ways. In 1 Samuel 24, David has a chance to kill Saul in a cave. His men are around him. Uh, Saul goes into the cave to have a bathroom break, and he's vulnerable. And his men say, it's your chance. The Lord has given him into your hand. Go and kill him. Become the king. And David responds, no. 2 Samuel 1, 14 through 16 says, David said to him, uh, I'm sorry, this is... Uh, a different passage where he honors Saul. This is uh, the passage where Saul is killed and then a messenger comes and talks about the way that he's killed. Okay, so what happens was he's wounded in battle and this man comes and Saul says, please kill me so that I don't get uh, turned over into the hands of my enemies. And so he does, he kills him. And as Christians... We look at this and we need to take an example from this because David said to him, how is it that you were not afraid to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, go execute him. And he struck him down so that he died. And David said to him, your blood be on your own head for your own mouth has testified against you saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. This guy thought he was doing Saul a favor. In fact, Saul ordered him to do it. And yet David had such a high regard for that position that he killed the man who killed the Lord's anointed. As Christians, we should not worry about a particular leader that gets elected if our country, uh, you know, elects a particular individual. We shouldn't think, you know, our country's going to go down the tubes now. Because scripture tells us that it is not our popular vote that causes a person to rise to power. It was God's sovereign will. We see this in Daniel 2.21, which shows us this clearly. It says that God changes times and seasons. He deposes kings, and he raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. And so it's God who brings people into power. It's God who deposes them. Also consider Romans 13.1. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now this doesn't remove the obligation that we have uh, to participate in the political process. We've been given that honor and that, that privilege here in this country. It just gives us comfort when we see things that seem like they're going to hell in a handbasket. No, God is still in charge. No, God is still in control. The third thing we see here in this text is that when we slander the Lord's anointed, we fall into the danger of not seeing them for who they really are. It's obvious from the Lord's account here that Aaron and Miriam don't really know Moses. If they did, they would realize that he was a man of character, 
A man who was considered by God to be a friend. He was someone who God spoke directly with. And Arian and Miriam let their own biases get in the way of seeing Moses who he really was. They did not see his heart for the people as he cried out for them day after day. Franklin D. Roosevelt was diagnosed with polio at the age of 39 when he took ill after exercising in uh, Canada on a, a trip there. And his disease was well known to the public, but the debilitating aspect was hidden from them during the majority of his presidency. It was only after he died that it became public knowledge as to how paralyzed he really was. They didn't know about his struggles. They didn't know about his pain. And so many times we think we know a politician or a leader just because we've seen a lot of things about them in the news or read a lot about them. Only later do we discover that the one that we loved and admired so much was a crook or an adulterer. Many of the policies that we perhaps supported in the light of God's glory may come up well short of the mark. Let's look at what God's view of Moses was. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. But even as this meek person, they still came against him. They still slandered the Lord's anointed. And finally, when we slander the Lord's anointed, we fall into the danger of placing ourselves under God's judgment. I want you to pay special attention, attention to the words in the second half of verse 2 and then in verse 4. It says, um, the Lord here heard the grumbling of Aaron and Miriam, and in verse 4 it states that he appears right to them. All three of them are together. He appears to them. Now, I don't know when it was all said and done why Miriam was the only one who ended up with leprosy, but Aaron cries out for God not to punish them, so there's an obvious connection here. What I do know is that God hears our conversations and holds us accountable for the things that we say. Around our dinner table, we have had many different conversations about politics. And we've had a lot of conversations about political leaders. We've talked about presidents. We've talked about senators, governors. But when my kids were young, I always tried to guide them into speaking respectfully about our president and other politicians as well. And the reason is that we don't know what drives these people. God sees and hears all things, and they one day will stand before the Lord, and he will judge them. But me calling somebody an idiot or a moron does not place them in high regard. It does not place the office in high regard. Now, many of you might be sitting here thinking, those dirt, uh, verses don't apply to the president because he's not a leader of God's chosen people, and he's not an emperor. But I want you to consider the nation of Babylon, and particularly uh, Nebuchadnezzar, its king. This was a pagan nation that was annihilating everyone around them, and they eventually hauled Israel off into captivity for 70 years. If anyone was against God's plan, it must have been them, right? I mean, God even caused him to go mad, because he was so proud and arrogant. Not according to Jeremiah 25, 9, which says, Behold, 
I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, and against these nations all around, and I will utterly destroy them. And so particular rulers and administrators are placed in authority by God to accomplish a certain purpose for a certain time. The question might be, why do we have the current administration that we do? Perhaps it's in response to the sin of our nation. Perhaps it reflects how our nation is right now. And perhaps God has given us this particular uh, administration to punish us for the sins that we have committed as a nation. But just as Daniel honored the position of the king during his captivity, so too we must honor those who are placed in authority over us during our captivity. We are still in captivity here on the earth. We don't see Jesus as king over the earth right now. In fact, the devil still has dominion and authority over the rulers of the earth. He still has major influence. And by the way, they are God's anointed. Consider Isaiah 41.1. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Sirius, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him. God uses these and anoints them to become a tool for his purposes. His purposes will be accomplished. And we are not free from this life yet, but we must live and move within the society that we are placed. And that includes honoring and revering those who are placed in authority over us. In conclusion, I'd like you to think twice before you post that slanderous blog about your president. I'd like you to think twice before you curse our governor in front of your friends and family. I'd like you to think twice about how God's displeasure flared against Aaron and Miriam when they slandered God's anointed. But also remember that honoring doesn't mean that you always do what they tell you to do. Even the disciples stood up against God's anointed, the leaders of Israel, when they told them not to proclaim the gospel any longer. And so there are things that you may need to do in opposition to the governors, the authorities, the president, and some of the laws of the land, but at the same time still honoring and revering them as ones that God has placed in a position of authority. Let's pray. Father God, our mouths and our tongues have gotten us into trouble many times. They are an unruly fire. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would convict us. Help us to recognize when we are speaking against those you've placed in authority. Lord, we pray for our governors. We pray for our president. We pray for the Senate and the House. We pray for all those who are giving of themselves to become rulers and authorities. Lord, help us to hold them in high regard as ones you've placed there. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? 
Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.